This is episode four of the Wall Street Poverty Podcast for the ideas and concepts and for the topics of these last episodes. I've honestly just been going based off what you all have been telling me on Instagram and TikTok. And honestly, it's been working. It's been working. I feel like people are learning, providing good feedback, telling me what adjustments I need to make. So I'm definitely listening to each and every single one of you. And I'm hoping that we could all learn something from these videos, right? Because it's not me always just like teaching myself. I'm constantly having to learn and it's pretty much learning together, right? That's the idea. I am no smarter than any of you, right? I'm just making the content, building the community and we could all grow from it, right? So the concept that was voted in this week was Bitcoin and blockchains, right? These are huge buzzwords. I'm sure you've been hearing it for years already at this point. Bitcoin is is one of those things that I find super important. The concept, the idea of it is revolutionary. There's like this way in which we live, right? It's been this way for centuries already. And it is primarily how we exchange value. If you date back all the way back to, there was a time when there was no fiat currency or what's known as like government money, US dollars, euros, Before that time, value was exchanged in something what's called barter exchange. So if you need a haircut and I know how to do taxes, we would exchange services and we would transfer value that way. This in theory, it works, right? If you need something done, you could say or provide to society, hey, this is what I do. And in return, you could provide me X amount of favors and it's pretty much based off supply and demand. If you are someone that has a very important trait, then you could probably generate a lot of wealth in the form of services or goods. That concept makes sense. So we first understand barter exchanges. We transition into a different system because it gets to a point where it's a very inefficient way to exchange value. If someone doesn't want my service at that point in time or possibly ever, then it's kind of hard to get the services we need efficiently especially if you think of it from a standpoint of living in a very small town or a community there needs to be a better way to exchange value then after barter exchange there was exchanging precious metals so at one point people all came into an agreement that gold had a store value and this was traded right and this becomes a more efficient way of doing transactions because you are now exchanging something that everyone has right so i could exchange gold for a service and that creates more of a fluid market that makes sense the next thing is well gold is actually kind of inefficient because we always have to carry it around it's a little heavy so if i want to transfer gold from here in america to a country across the world then the only way to do that would be shipping it right that takes weight time and it slows down, right? It becomes a very slow process because to transfer value, it has to be a very rigorous process. Shipping, flying, gold, right? So we understand those concepts. We went from barter exchange of exchanging one service to another. Then we talked about exchanging precious metals. And then the logical thing is creating a currency or a means of exchange that is fairly light. Right, and then I am sure I'm skipping a ton of history now, but we'll just say we go straight into fiat currencies. Fiat currencies have a lot of benefits. 
they're very light, they can be handled fairly easy, and in the given time frame, and we'll just say our era, we could exchange it electronically, right? So transactions happen fairly fast, and to transfer value has become relatively easy, especially with online transfers with Zelle, Cash App, Venmo, PayPal. It's beautiful. We get that. The only thing I would say about fiat currency, US dollars, euros, JPYs, these are all controlled by centralized authorities. This is really the most important concept of the video is there is this currency that we use, the US dollar, that is controlled by a centralized authority, which is known as the Federal Reserve. And there's obviously other players in it. There's the Treasury Department, there's the US Congress, and all these parties intertwine with each other. And then that pretty much creates the supply of the US dollar and kind of trickles down into impacting inflation, all that, right? And this is like the, the big takeaway. The reason why this is so important is because could print infinite amount of money in theory there's no cap to the amount of us dollars they could issue so if you think of it as the i don't know if you guys played grand theft auto when you were little but there was this cheat code that would allow you to get as much money as you wanted you could think of this idea and apply it to what happens with fiat currency if you are just holding us dollars and there is an entity that continuously prints more and more and more what do you think happens to the value of that dollar you hold? Well, it becomes less and less valuable. It becomes worthless as years progress. The percentage is not completely accurate, but it's almost near on point. If you date back to 1920 and compare the purchasing power of the US dollar from then to now, it has lost 99% of its value. And the reason being is that there, there's constantly more and more U.S. dollars. There's constantly more and more printing of the U.S. dollars, whether it's for stimulus checks or to manage U.S. debt. They're constantly just printing money, constantly. And this concept is one of those things that had me thinking like, shit, I know that if I were to hold all my money in U.S. dollars, for decades and decades, I'm going to lose. It is guaranteed, it's not like, oh, you might lose. It is a guaranteed L, like 100%. And I also see countries like Argentina that had 100% inflation in the past year. So effectively, their life, their expenses, everything around them got twice as expensive in just one year. And most of it is tied to the currency that they hold. This concept is definitely something that's not as popular amongst younger people in America, unless maybe like from, in my case, I'm Cuban and Puerto Rican. So my grandfather would tell me stories that in Cuba, at one point, his currency became worthless. He had to effectively shred his money, right? So that concept always stuck with me because it's an understanding of, okay, like your net worth is denoted in a specific asset, whether it's cash, stocks, properties, and you have to be very careful because a lot of times people say, oh, I have all my money in, in fiat, I have all my money in US dollars, 
But then you have to ask yourself, well, how safe is that? How safe is that? Like, what are the rules behind that asset that you're holding? And effectively, like, what is your return on that? And in those hyperinflation environments, it's easy to see why that matters. Maybe here it's not. But you could see the effects that it's had in the past year. A lot of shit has gotten so expensive. And it's not that everything just costs more. It's just like your dollars are less valuable. Your dollars are less valuable. That's point in blank what it is. And I'm not saying like fiat's bad either. And it's important because at the end of the day, you're paying all your bills in US dollars. You go to the grocery store, you're paying in US dollars. You go pay a loan. Anything right now that you pay for, right? The exchange of value in our society is paying in US dollars, right? So it's always good to have cash. I'm not, I'm not by any means saying don't have any cash. I'm just walking through the logic of why we should understand what Bitcoin is, right? So I'm just going through the steps. We went through the barter exchange. We went through precious metals. We went through fiat currencies, which is the US government money. And now the the next thing is, right? The next, what is the next evolution? We're constantly evolving and adapting as a society and we're continuously growing and learning. So what is that next thing? What is after fiat currency? There has to be something that's more effective or perhaps more efficient. And I think the solution to that is having what's known as a decentralized currency, meaning there is no central authority that is controlling the amount of supply behind it or having a power, uh, like effectively a power behind it. That is what blockchains allow us to do. This is like the concept, what Bitcoin preaches, right? This is a, you could think of it as a form of currency and there's only 21 million Bitcoins that will ever be issued, right? So there's already a cap in supply, which already off the bat intrigues me. There is a currency that has X amount of units that will ever be issued. So that already is intriguing to me because in our system, there's not necessarily a cap of US dollars. So they could just keep printing and printing and printing. So that's number one. The second thing is it is digital and you could self custody your assets. You don't have to store it in a bank and also Bitcoin has that concept of decentralization. There's no central authority controlling it. It's all in the hands of the users. Decentralization. And I've seen like we're, we're constantly evolving. We're constantly evolving as a society. We are more and more digital as the days progress and it's like exponential. We are constantly on our phones, which are not even phones anymore. They're really just supercomputers and you could use it effectively or it could probably just like lead you down the wrong path if you don't use it wisely. Um, but yeah, if we're a society that's constantly evolving technology wise, I could see a point in which this is used as the form of currency. And a lot of times people will say, well, what if America bans it, right? And those are valid points. What if they do ban it? And that's it. They shut down Bitcoin. No one can use Bitcoin in the country. What I would say to Kind of argue that is all these countries that experience hyperinflation the citizens are going to want to use bitcoin and these second world countries are going to want to get in on it they're going to want to get in on it because there's value there there is 
money to be made. There is a store of value that is better alternative than to what they're using now. So if one second world country does it, then perhaps a second one does it. And then it becomes this network effect that if you don't jump on that train of using that means of exchange, then you miss out on an opportunity. And it's not saying like, oh, you're going to miss an opportunity of Bitcoin going from 20,000 to 100,000. It's more of, no, this is like the new world of how we exchange value. So if you don't get on it, then you just miss out on that opportunity. But what happens is if second world and third world countries are using crypto or Bitcoin as a means of exchange, then I could almost guarantee that these first world countries are first of all they're not going to want to get left behind if everyone in the world is using bitcoin except the u.s puts us in a position where it's not optimal or effectively like behind and my thesis is it starts from the third world and goes up to the second world and first world countries technology gets a little bit more intricate and a little bit complex it's really not too crazy but if you could understand that we are wanting to transition from a fiat currency to a digital one that is not controlled by anyone and has code that is backing this technology, right? Um, then you could really understand why, why people preach this so much. Like I, I'm never the one to just push it and tell people like buy this, buy that. It's always from the standpoint of this is what I've learned. And I want to want to show you what, what I've been reading about, what I've been learning about and hopefully like it helps you out in some way so i really appreciate you guys i'm hopefully for next week i'm gonna get a new mic i'm gonna get i think it was like the blue the blue yeti mic i heard it's pretty elite and i want like the audio to get better and then the next thing is to bring guests on the podcast so we're working on that in May, we're going to VCon in Indianapolis. So hopefully I could see some of you there that I met from last year and, and new peeps as well. We could hop on some podcasts over there in Indianapolis and get after it. So you already know, man. If you enjoyed this podcast, make sure to follow me on social media. Reach out to me with any questions you may have. I'm always here to help and let's get after it.